0: Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Well, hello and welcome to Engage for Success Radio show number 465. And today our topic is what do astronauts, Olympic champions and Nobel laureates do differently? allows them to achieve at such a high level. Quite an intriguing title, I think. Um, And I'm going to be welcoming shortly today's special guest, who is the author of a book called The Success Factor, uh, which is going to really answer that question for us. But before we do that, um, a few words of introduction for those of you who do not know uh, quite who Engage for Success are. Uh, So Engage for Success is a not-for-profit movement, and we are the UK's leading voice on the topic of employee engagement we're raising awareness and running events through our area networks around the country and our topic and sector specific thought and action groups developing research publishing case studies and shining a light on great practice do visit us at engageforsuccess.org where you can learn more and sign up for our weekly newsletter and I'm Joe Moffat, I'm one of the regular hosts, and as well as being a volunteer with Engage for Success, I'm also Managing Director and Founder of Woodread. Woodreed is a specialist creative agency, and we use the tools, the techniques, and the insight-led approach of the advertising and marketing world to help our clients create great places to work, high-performing cultures of engaged employees. So I promised you a special guest who would help us explore the topic of what are astronauts are Olympic champions and Nobel laureates do differently that allows them to achieve at such a high level and that special guest is Dr Ruth Gautian. Uh, Dr Gautian is the Chief Learning Officer and Assistant Professor of Education in Anesthesiology and former Founding Assistant Dean of Mentoring and Executive Director of the Mentoring Academy at Weill Cornell Medicine. Um, She is a published author And has been hailed by the journal Nature and Columbia University as an expert in mentorship and leadership development, as it was recognized recently as one of the top 20 mentors in the world. So I think we're very lucky to have Ruth with us today. So welcome to the show, Ruth. Um, hey. there's a a <laughs> lot more I'm sure that we could talk about in your credentials, but I'd like to give you the opportunity to tell us a little bit about a little bit about yourself and, and, and what you do and, and the journey to becoming uh, one of the top 20 mentors in the world. And and how I started hanging out with Nobel Prize winners and
1: astronauts and how my contact list got to be so fun. It sounds brilliant. (laughs) It sounds
0: great. I can't. Yeah. So tell us, tell us how did it all come about?
1: So it really was like everyone else, a a windy road. I actually started out my first two degrees are in business and I worked in finance and international banking. Mm -hmm. But over the years I've always been curious, why are other people achieving so much more than I am? We have the same 24 hours in the day. I'm not an idiot. What is it that they're doing that I'm not understanding? And because of where I was working, there were many Nobel Prize winners, and I was actually running a program for students. It was an extremely selective program with a 3.5% acceptance rate. And I would always notice that there's certain people who float to the top. So I started getting very, very curious about what it is that they are doing right and what can I learn from it. So at the age of 43, in addition to working full time and raising my family and having elder care for my parents, I said, let's add one more thing. And I went back to school and got my doctorate and have been studying success i've been looking at what the most successful people do it started out with physician scientists those mm-hmm. who have the md and do research so they win the big scientific prizes such as the nobel and then over the years it has extended to other extreme high achievers the astronauts the olympic champions nba champions ceos because i really wanted to figure out how they became so successful and you know what I realized that that astronaut is just like an Olympic champion figure skater. And that was really my aha moment. That really said to me, oh, success can be learned. Mm -hmm. And if success can be learned, I'm an adult educator. I know how to teach it. Mm -hmm. So I reverse engineered the path, created a blueprint, go all over the world teaching and talking about it, wrote the book, The Success Factor. And here we are.
0: So, so it, well, amazing. And, and I, I, you make me feel really quite, uh, quite pathetic, you know, given what you did at the age of 43 with all your various responsibilities, it's just chuck another thing, just chuck another <laughs> thing into the mix. It's so, 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 but, but we're talking about elite, elite sports people um, and mm-hmm. elite, I mean, yeah. you know, astronauts, it's a, you know, we all think of them as sort of some kind of elite human, don't we? Yeah. How early, we, when we think about elite sports people, particularly not so much the astronauts, but when we think about elite sports people, we tend to imagine that they start their road to being an elite sports person very, very early in their lives. You know, they're five years, six years, seven years old, 10 years mm-hmm. old. That's specific to sport. Do you think that also applies to people that forge a path to become astronauts or Nobel laureates? Is it's there- actually what we
1: think about sports, but that's not actually what happens. Okay. What happens is that they try different sports out. They have a natural tendency towards athletics, but it takes them a while to figure out what it is that they really love, not just are good at, but really, really love doing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Most of the astronauts who whom i interviewed were actually rejected the first time they applied they had to reapply multiple times some of the nobel prize winners were part of a group called the yellow berets so this is really fascinating because during the vietnam war if you were a physician in the united states right Mm -hmm. there was a draft Mm -hmm. there were two options you could either go to war and likely not come home Mm. or If you were a physician, you could work for what's called the Public Health Service. And the Public Health Service is um, the Center for Disease Control, the National Institutes of Health, those government-run health services. Mm. And this is what the physicians wanted to do. This was the prime gig. So, for example, Dr. Bob Lefkowitz, who won the Nobel Prize in Chemistry in 2012, he was a medical student. And he applied to work at the National Institutes of Health at the NIH. He didn't have any research experience. And here he was a medical student. And the first year he was there, nothing worked. And the second year, nothing worked. It was towards the end of his commitment when things really started to gel. And when they really worked, they really worked. And he really became addicted to that and to science. And he has made his life he has made that commitment to science. He no longer sees patients. He is only doing his science. So these are also people who started later in life, right? He Mm -hmm. was in his 20s at that time. And this is not just a singular story. This is a story that is on repeat over and over again. Mm.
0: Interesting. Interesting. So when you wrote, so you wrote your book, The Success Factor, when did, when did you do that? And what, what prompted you to write that book? The book
1: was uh, published in January. Mm. It's called The Success Factor. So I have been writing about success for a long time, both in academic journals, because I'm an academic, but Mm -hmm. also in lay journals and Forbes and Psychology Today and Harvard Business Review. Mm -hmm. And during the early months of the pandemic, my father was hospitalized and I brought him a textbook that I had recently published Mm -hmm. and I handed it to him. And as I was sitting at his bedside, my laptop was always open. And he said, oh, are you getting ideas for your next book? He must have asked me that 10 times a day, if not more. And I said, who's even thinking about a book right now? You're you're hospitalized. Yeah. Um, he passed away in August 2020. Oh, and after my sorry to hear week, that. thank you, after the week of Shiva, the, the Jewish mourning period, mm-hmm. a publisher reached out to me and said, we've been reading your work. Would you be interested in writing a book?
0: Right. So it was someone else's idea then?
1: <laughs> it was it was planted by my father. Yes. Um, and it was brought to life. Um, by my editor, mm-hmm. and it was published on the 17-month anniversary of my father's funeral.
0: Uh-huh. Well, so it
1: really came full circle,
0: mm, um, mm. and now I'm kind of addicted to writing. <laughs> <I keep laughs> so it was, a, it was a bit of a culmination then of of the given that your publishers what who became your publishers approached you, yeah. it was a culmination of that distillation of your work and your thinking and your writing and your experience and the expertise that you had developed over time. And I'm sure if I read the book, there's a frontispiece dedication to your dad in there. There certainly is. Yeah, I'm sure. Okay. So, um, you and, and it'd be interesting actually. If we have time, I'll probably say now you're addicted to writing. I'm I'm guessing that's a, a plug to say there's another one in the works. somewhere. There's but...
1: always <laughs> another one. There's there's articles all the time. I, uh, I usually publish around six articles a month. Um, do you for the lay press? Yeah, and then um, is... plus the academic articles. Um, and there's you know inklings of another book.
0: Wow, that's very. Gosh, you're exhausting me, Ruth. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> but I enjoy it. Yeah, clearly, clearly like that, that, that enthusiasm and passion is coming through in spades already, just in the few minutes we've been talking. You know what,
1: my, um, I I just had a chapter that I wrote for
0: another book,
1: which is a culmination of um, thought leaders from Thinkers 50, that they Mm -hmm. they put a book together on um, building resilient organizations. And I had it on the table um, and somebody looked at it and they said, oh, your, your writing is so simple. I said, yeah, because if I wanted to write the academic jargon, nobody would read it. (laughs) But when it's simple and when you do it in everyday language, it draws people in.
0: Mm, mm.
1: And the whole goal is to leave this world better than we found it. And my way of doing it is through the writing, through the teaching of how to become successful. And I do that by using that conversational tone Mm. and sharing the stories of these extreme high achievers that the astronauts and the Nobel Prize winners and NBA champions become your friends yeah, as you're yeah. reading them. You feel you know them.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm, let's let's move to that um, now. I mean, it's, it, I love the idea of writing things simply. I mean, it's a, certainly a it's a it's a passion of mine and a firm belief of mine that you can't write about something in simple terms unless you absolutely understand it. That's right. And uh, often people will obfuscate. Ob, obf, I'm not sure that's the right word um you know compl- over complicate yes um in order to mask their lack of understanding actually that's um right. and if you can write something simply that people can understand then you clearly have understood it um so well said. Uh, you know that's a, absolutely i share that share that with you so let's let's talk about what these people have in common then whatever where whatever walk of life they, their success evidences itself in what are the key themes that you've discovered So there were actually
1: four of them that Mm -hmm. all of the high achievers had in common, which is what made me realize it's not about copying habits. You know, wake up at five a.m. or read for eight hours a (laughs) day—that doesn't work in our lives. Um, But it you you cannot copy habits, but you can emulate mindsets. So the four mindsets they all had, which is this, was really my aha moment to realize that this is teachable and learnable. Um, The first one is that they found what they were really, really, really passionate about, what they would do for free if they could. Now, we have something in adult, adult learning that we call intrinsic motivation versus extrinsic motivation. Mm-hmm. The extrinsic motivation are the bonuses, the promotions, the certificates, the diplomas. That's really when other people are judging you, and
0: mm-hmm. that's hard
1: to maintain and sustain. But when you're doing it for yourself because you love it,
0: Mm-hmm. you're going to
1: keep on doing it. Mm-hmm. And this mm-hmm. is why throwing extra money at high achievers doesn't usually cause them to stay within an organization. There so has this is,
0: this is the Steve Jobs quote, isn't it? Find, find something you love
1: mm-hmm. and you'll
0: never work another day in your life. Kind of. Right? Kind that's, of. that's quite simplistic, but
1: yes, <laughs> that's really
0: what, what it is. So, you know, for example,
1: just uh, last week, I was at a conference and there was Karen Davey, a, four, a three-time Olympian, two golds, one silver. Mm-hmm. She's an American rower. Mm-hmm. And um, she's no longer training for the Olympics, but she happened to miss breakfast or she was late to breakfast at the conference. And I said, oh, I said, Karen, where were you? She said, I was rowing. And I said, are you training for another Olympics? No, I just love it. So she's no longer training. She's no longer a competitive athlete. She's an attorney, but she loves it. She loves it so much that it's part of her every day at yes. this point. Yes. So find what it is that you are intrinsically motivated to do. And I actually recommend that people do what's called a passion audit to figure that out because there's a difference between being good at something and loving something. Remember, I said I used to work in finance? Mm-hmm. I was good at it, I was really good. But I didn't enjoy it, yeah. And there is a difference, yes. So a passion audit really lets you figure out what it is that you love, mm. and I recommend that people do it every time they have a transition in their life—a new partner, a new child, a new job, a pandemic. Mm. Um, they can always. Um, there's a passion audit that comes with the book.
0: If I was going to say, how is is there a is there a template for that. There is in in the book. Yeah. There is
1: in the book, but if they can't wait till the book, they can just download one from my website for free. Um just go to RuthGotian.com slash passion audit. Okay.
0: Okay. And you
1: can download one. So that's the first one. Tap into your intrinsic motivation. Right. The second one is it's your passion, it's your it's your grit it's your resilience. It's really the way you overcome obstacles. Mm -hmm. So high achievers, they never question if they'll overcome obstacles, they know that they will. Instead, they focus on how, what is the strategy I haven't thought of yet. So within an organization, and if we're going to talk about organizational culture, these are your innovators in the group. These are the people that every time they see a challenge, they just think to themselves, oh, what is the solution I haven't thought of yet? What is the strategy I haven't thought of yet? These are not the, the no problem too small people. The, these are the let's figure this out people. Mm. So if you are running that organization, you want to give them the space to try things out. And not everything's going to succeed, but you have to let them try because high achievers fear not trying more than they fear failing.
0: That's number two. Okay. It's fascinating. Yes, I I can see that. And that's, yeah.
1: Now you see it, you can't unsee it, right? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. (laughs) No, absolutely, Ruth.
1: Absolutely. Go on then. So what's number three? All right. Number three is that strong foundation, which they're constantly reinforcing. Now, this is pivotal. It's just because they've won all these big accolades doesn't mean they farm things out. The things that made them successful, those are the things that they still do day in and day out. Mm -hmm. So for example... You all heard that Kobe Bryant used to wake up at 4 a.m. to do layups and warm up in the gym. But you know what? Those layups and those warmups that all the NBA players do are the same ones that any seventh grader would do. Same exact ones. They just have fancier sneakers and more expensive equipment. But the process is actually still the same. Mm -hmm. so this is true it doesn't matter if you're a Nobel Prize winner they're still designing their own experiments they don't have other people doing that Um, they're writing their own papers etc
0: now so it's hands-on it's very
1: much Mm hands-on very much and last but certainly not least and this is the one that surprised me the most is that even after winning their big awards they were constantly learning They were constantly trying to figure out what they can learn from other people. So we have heard Warren Buffett and Bill Gates and Mark Cuban, that they read three to eight hours a day. Mm. It's not reading that made them billionaires. It's opening their minds up to new knowledge. So the question is, how can the rest of us do that if we don't have the three to eight hours a day to read? well, we could read books and we could read articles and we can listen to podcasts and radio programs and take LinkedIn learning classes and watch webinars. There's so many ways that we can open our minds up. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that all of these people had in common was that they surrounded themselves with a team of mentors, people who believed in them more than they believed in themselves. So if this is what the high achievers do, why do the rest of us think that we don't need that? So those are the four. Those are the four elements
0: of success. Interesting. I'm I'm interested by that that final one, which it, which wasn't really. Well, I don't know. Do you consider the surrounding yourselves with mentors to be part of the constantly learning? Is is that is that linked to that, or is that a
1: yeah? It's very it's very much linked to be, it be, because they give you perspective that you don't have.
0: Yeah, but there's also in that, isn't there a a self-knowledge um, or and a, and a humility yes. that actually accepts that I don't know it all. I haven't got all the answers. I know that I'm on a learning journey that probably won't ever end. That's right. And I can't do it all by myself and I need yeah. people to help me. So whether it be a mentor or, um, or coach, you know, co- yes. c- careers coaches, personal coaches, I mean, I know, appreciate that both those types of skills, are, you know, those types of professions are different. Yes. But they can be equally as valuable, can't they? Um, Yes. And and that, that, but that humility is an interesting one because you tend to imagine, one tends to imagine that these high achievers often lack humility. They're the degree of, you know, is there a degree of arrogance? Um what's your what's your view on that, Ruth?
1: That, that really has to do with the definition of success, but I will say um that one of the the things that all of these high achievers had in common, and this relates to that fourth element of success, is that they walk in with the mindset of, I don't know what I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I need to surround myself with somebody. Who can shed light on this and teach me something and it doesn't matter if that person is senior to me or at my level or junior to me mm. now mm. the reason being humble is so important the definition of success changes on based on who you ask but w- the definition that i use based on my original research was that these people have accomplished something impressive right they mm. change the way we do things because of what they achieve that's mm-hmm. the first thing mm. the second thing is as they have started to climb the ranks, they pulled other people up with them because they understood that a light on someone else does not detract from the light on them. Yeah. And last but not least, when they reached the pinnacle of their success, they would pay it forward. And that would be either mentoring one-on-one or running large groups, but somehow they wanted to teach other people what they know. Mm. And that's what's so important. That's mm. how we're going to create that ripple effect and make mm. change in the world. Mm.
0: And that's that also is absolutely key to the sustainability of right. of of what they're doing.
1: That's
0: right. Okay, so million dollar question, without naming names and without sort of you know putting people in the spotlight. I'm sure, particularly in the current news cycle that we are all reading, and I know you're on the other side of the Atlantic, but we we get it here as well. I think we can all think of people who are very much in the public spotlight at the moment, Mm
1: -hmm. who
0: might well be viewed as being high achievers on a certain number of measures, Yes, but wouldn't necessarily do all of these four things. Certainly wouldn't necessarily have that humility Yeah. Or desire to pay it forward that that you've touched on. That's right. So are there good high achievers and bad high achievers or do the bad high achievers not really deserve to be called high achievers?
1: Well, that's why I was so specific with. The definition that I used, and actually the definition I used to two rounds of research to get to. Mm-hmm. And this is what people really view as success. It's not just an influencer who has a lot of likes, it's not just a billionaire. Mm-hmm. It's people who are truly trying to make a positive impact in the world that helps other people, not just themselves. So I have interviewed over a hundred people. People are always recommending other people who i should interview and not everyone is able to make the cut Mm -hmm. because they are not of the belief of i want to pay this forward
0: yes yes
1: so bob lefkowitz that nobel prize winner i told about Mm -hmm. i told you about he's Mm -hmm. mentored 250 people 250 the nobel prize that he received he actually shared with his former mentee yeah
0: that was the co-recipient how interesting yeah that's very impressive actually and so your book tell us a little bit about i mean obviously you 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 go into those four themes those four mindsets yes. in in some depth in the book but what what is it what does the book tell the stories of all of these different people and then you draw the threads together and do only people make the cut of your book who meet your <coughs> definition
1: The only people who I interviewed actually made the definition, not all those who I interviewed actually made the book, because how many Nobel Prize winning scientists from Texas did I need, right? Sure. So we wanted a little bit of diversity. I talk about um, why success is so important for an organization and why we need to start focusing on the high achievers, especially with the job market fluctuating the way it is, Mm. So I talk about the four elements of success, and I really teach you how these Nobel Prize winners and these athletes, how they implemented each of those four. So I use their stories as examples. And in the last third of the book teaches the reader how to implement it in their own lives. Remember, I said, I'm an adult educator. I Mm. teach adult learning and leadership development. Mm. So I am there to teach you how to take each of these four elements and implement it in your own lives. So I teach it with it's a buffet of options because one of the things that I know about adult learners is that we learn differently. What works for me may not work for you. So that's why I need to give you different things that you can try. So for each one of the four elements, there's a variety of things that you can try. And maybe something works for you now Mm -hmm. but then stops working, well, you know, you've had a transition in your life. Let's let's find a new way for you to do it. So I, I write, this is the book you can keep on your nightstand Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: open to it as you need to work on any one of those elements in order to strengthen it. It's very usable. And the readers, they've come back to me and told me that they tried all of these tools and tactics and tips that I share, and -hmm. they
0: have seen the improvement in their own career. Mm -hmm. So, so. I, th- and I, I guess I know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it to you anyway. Um, in your view, Ruth, everyone has the capability to be a high achiever or is there a, you know, is that clearly there has to be a, a bit of a spectrum, you know, gradation of mm-hmm. if some are going to go all the way. And, and a, luck must play a bit of a part in that if you're if you're yeah. an entrepreneur, in wanting to be a high achiever. So, you know, is it within us all, I suppose, is the question.
1: It very, very much is within us all, because I don't believe anyone wakes up in the morning aiming to be average. Mm -hmm. I think people want to be successful, but they've been trying all these random things. They've been trying to copy habits instead of emulating mindsets. Mm -hmm. So we can all really tap into something that we are uniquely good at, and everyone's got something. Mm. but not everyone has found it and leveraged it yet. Yeah. So yeah. I teach you how to find it, how to leverage it, and how to make it part of your career. Mm.
0: Sounds fascinating. Good. Okay. And if I um, wanted to think about those four mindsets, uh, are they all equally equally important, or is there one that outshines the rest in your experience? So you
1: definitely have to do all four in tandem. But if you are going to start with one, I would start with the intrinsic motivation. Find out what it is that you're passionate about. Because once you find that, any hurdle that anyone throws in your way, you're just going to go over it, around it, under it. You're Mm. going to find a way to get to the other side because Mm. this is is why you wake up in the morning with a jump in your step. It's why you can't quiet your mind at night. Mm. So find that first and then work on the other
0: three. Yeah. Okay. So what about the, what about somebody working in a job that they hate um, doing a grinding process driven nine to five mm-hmm. and that personal passion audit throws mm-hmm. up that they're, they're completely and utterly in, in the, in the, you know, in the wrong job. How, how do you, How do you break out of that or does that take you to number two about how I will overcome the obstacles? So I actually teach that as well. So if you find that you
1: are better suited in another area, you really need to test drive that first. And there are ways that you can test that out and pilot it before you quit your job and and move on, right? Because you really want to be sure. And I teach the different ways that you can Pilot that and do your own little study to see. It, oh, is this a passing fad, or is this something that I really, really enjoy doing? And how big can I make
0: it? Mm, mm, mm. Okay, lovely. All right. Well, look, we're coming very much now towards the uh, the, the end of our, the end of our show, actually, Ruth. So, thank you. Um, really interesting the, to think about mindsets rather than habits um yes. uh, that that's a, a, a fascinating thing and yeah we need to take all of them on board but start with the start with the, the intrinsic motivation first and let's just close then um with one final question for you which is people like astronauts they're, they're not astronauts for their whole life
1: yeah
0: Elite sports people are not elite sports people for their whole lives. Nobel laureates, yeah, they kind of are because that's what mm-hmm.
1: they've
0: qualified in or whatever. You know, they, that, that's where they've they've achieved their accolade. I'm guessing these mindsets are what enables these high achievers to almost seamlessly navigate the change from one career phase to the next is that absolutely absolutely and
1: it's why they didn't crumble when Mm -hmm. they got their gold medal at 16 because there was always another goal and it's always so fascinating I always ask the Olympians um, all the athletes can you show me your medal and you'd think they would have it on display right you would no they don't don't. (laughs) it's in a box under the bed. It's in a safe. It's um, a few of them had it in their sock drawer in a brown paper bag (laughs) or the nightstand drawer. And I thought that was really confusing. And I said, I don't understand. Why is it not on display? They said, it's a chapter in my life. It's not the entire journey. And there's always another chapter. So they moved on to something completely different afterwards. And they found a new passion. So Scott Hamilton, who won the Olympic gold medal in figure skating, he now raises money for cancer research and care of
0: cancer patients. Yeah. And that's his new passion. That's his new passion. But there's the mindset still there, the four mm-hmm. the four mindset themes. Lovely. Well, thank you um, very much, um, <laughs> our special guest this week, Dr. Ruth Gautian. And thank you for listening uh, to Engage for Success Radio. Don't forget, you can download or stream any of the great shows from our archive at any time. Just visit engageforsuccess.org. And if you want to get involved in the movement as a volunteer, um, you can find out how to do that at, at our website, too and if ruth's um interview with me has uh, struck a chord with you and you want to learn more um then the book is called success factors or the success factor sorry the success factor success factors is something totally different in <laughs> yes. hr uh, the success factor and it's available at all good booksellers, I'm imagining, Ruth. Everywhere, wherever you love buying books. Absolutely. Thank you, Dr. Ruth Gertian, for joining us. Thank you for listening and goodbye. Engage for Success Radio. Raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
1: A laundry? Ooh, a book club!